1: Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. Welcome to Living with Reality, a podcast featuring archived teachings and modern conversations with Dr. Robert Svoboda, brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Living with reality explores Ayurveda and other wisdom traditions of India, which Dr. Svoboda has been studying for nearly 50 years. For more information, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dr. Svoboda. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. Hello, and welcome to the Living with Reality podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield, your host and Dr. Svoboda's media manager. This week, I have an interview for you that I did with Dr. Svoboda about possession, the idea of something taking us over, which he says happens to us pretty consistently as human beings. So learning how to navigate that skillfully is really important. He gives us a lot of tips in this interview, and I can't wait to share it with you. Before we get started, I just wanted to tell you about two courses that you can find at drsvoboda.teachable.com. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A.teachable.com. The first one is about Ganesha, who is the deity of removing obstacles and also grounding, which is so important right now. So, Dr. Sabota teaches all about that and gives you so much information on how to work with that energy. The second course I want to tell you about is all about ancestors and how we can work with them. And that one will be available in September, but it's so relevant to this topic of possession. I wanted to make sure you knew about it. Okay, so we'll jump now right into the interview. So, Dr. Sabota, the first time that we met, you gave me some advice that really stuck with me and was very helpful to me, which was to figure out what is possessing you and to deal with that thing. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about this concept of possession.
2: Anything that takes you over and moves you in a particular direction is a possession. Sometimes those possessions can be good things. When you're in the flow, when you're in the zone, and that could be singing, playing a musical instrument, drawing, doing anything creative, play, uh, playing a sport, uh, anything that's that 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 you can do well and that can allow you to move into a frame of mind that is different from your normal frame of mind, that's a kind of possession. Um, Unfortunately, the majority of possessions are not as helpful, not as good. Um, Sometimes it is actually people being possessed by spirits. Um, Sometimes even a person who appears to be possessed by a spirit may only be possessed by a portion of their personality that's behaving like an alien personality. Sometimes that person, in fact, may simply be being possessed by by anxiety or by hysteria or by some other mental state. And it's, it's really very common for people to be possessed by mental states. We find people who are taken over by anger, who are absolutely uh, petrified by fear, who are... Uh, taken over by by lust or by greed or any powerful emotion can take you over. Uh, a person who is a devotee, who is a bhakta, is taken over by love for God, is possessed by that love. That's a good possession. But an average person generally um, finds it more difficult to be taken over by a good possession than by a not-so-good possession. We can be possessed by diseases that can change the way that we behave. We can be possessed by parasites. We can be possessed by um, by ideas, the idea of communism or fascism or capitalism that can become a meme that takes us over and, and drags us in a particular direction. Um, there are a wide variety of things that we can be possessed by, intoxicants, um, uh, uh, attitudes, almost anything, and um, and it is, I believe, and I was taught by Vimalananda that it's a very useful thing to understand that um, that humans find it very easy to be possessed and need to do what they can to identify those possessions, remove the ones that are not benefiting them so that they can be open to being possessed by things that will benefit
1: them. So if I'm understanding you correctly, we are all possessed. And it's sort of like a consistent possession that's going on, just being a human?
2: Uh, Just being a human, it's kind of a consistent possession. In fact, as a human, we're all possessed by a human personality. And a human personality, in some ways, is kind of like a, a tornado or a hurricane or some other kind of storm. It's a, it's a persistent movement of wind in the human being. That's a persistent movement of prana or vata, depending on what's going on inside you. But that persistent movement gives the impression of being something that has some, uh, some, some continuity to it, um, and and things that can be very temporary can also have that that um, appearance of continuity. and they can be very strong. if um, if I'm on the seashore and I get hit by a very large wave, it doesn't matter that the wave is a very temporary thing, that the wave is simply a fluctuation in the ocean. The wave could easily kill me simply because it is a t- it's a temporary, fluctuation in a thing, but that has sufficient uh, temporary integrity to behave in a particular way. That's what human personalities do. Our personalities are always changing, and most people don't have a single personality. Most people have different personalities for different areas of their life. You behave in a different way with your parents, with your children, at work. At home, uh, if you were the boss, if you were the underling, there and in most people, there are slightly different differences. And most people, most people are able to go from one situation to another without displaying to themselves or others that there's been a change in personality. Uh, and sometimes, when there is that that transition doesn't happen so readily, then then there is an, a very obvious psychiatric disorder that is simply an extreme case of what's happening to pretty much everyone. So when you have these different personalities, when there is not one stable personality that has one focus to it, um, then that makes it easier for something to come in and temporarily take you over, make you its vehicle move you in the direction that it wants you to go. So you still appear to be who you are, but now it's not you so much as whatever it is that has taken you over that is driving you.
1: Maybe you could talk a little bit about the difference between prana and vata and how that relates here so that we can understand how we get to more of a positive possession instead of having negative possessions.
2: Prana is the life force. Thanks to prana, we are alive. As long as there's prana in your organism, you're alive. As soon as the prana leaves, you die. Prana is, according to the Sankhya philosophy, generated from the element of air or wind. And so is vata. The difference between prana and vata is that prana is situated in the body in such a way that it is promoting harmony and resonance. Uh, The air element must always move in the body. The life force always has to be circulating. So when the life force is circulating deeply, slowly, regularly, calmly, then we can say that the prawn is moving in a healthy and positive way in the organism. But sometimes it does not move consistently. It moves in a start and stop fashion. Sometimes it's stronger in one area and weaker in another. Sometimes what happens is that it is more superficial and not sufficiently deep. And when that happens then we don't call it by the name prana because it is not promoting life. We call it by the name vata because it is promoting imbalance and ultimately disease.
1: So when we're talking about um, being possessed, I think about an agora where Vimalananda talks about avishkara. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and um, his idea of becoming a vacuum.
2: Avishkara is a specific variety of possession where the person doing the avishkara deliberately requests the possession to occur. Um, Avishkara comes from a Sanskrit word that means to enter. So Vimalananda would always say that if you want to have a deity, a god or a goddess, or uh, a saint, from a bygone era, enter into your organism, you have to create a spiritual vacuum because only then will there be enough space for that other personality to come and to temporarily inhabit your organism. So Avishkara is a willful decision to make yourself available to a very specific personality or set of personalities for the purpose of your own spiritual evolution, assisting that deity to perform whatever work he or she needs to do on this planet, and potentially benefiting someone else with whom you happen to be working who can use the assistance of that deity.
1: So is that kind of like channeling?
2: It's very similar to channeling. Um, Often... Of course, in the case of channeling and for that matter, in the case of people who do Avishkara, um, sometimes it's less a matter of actually having the the deity or the uh, deceased uh, saint enter into you. And sometimes you may convince yourself that that's happening um, and or you may convince others that that's happening. But what may actually be happening is that it's just a concoction uh, of your own awareness that is making you feel like that's happening. And sometimes the distinction between these two things is very subtle, because in order to open yourself sufficiently to a deity so that the deity can enter into you, almost always, you have to spend quite a bit of time doing sadhana for that deity, meaning visualizing the deity, reciting the mantra for the deity, uh, aligning yourself with the reality of that god or goddess so that you can mirror uh, that deity properly. And once you can mirror that deity properly, then, uh, then it's possible that the, uh, an, a a connection can be created and that um, an aperture can be created so that then you can actually literally um, serve as as a host for that being.
1: So obviously what we're talking about is kind of advanced, right? And a lot of us are just kind of generally possessed, as you were saying near the beginning. So can you talk a little bit about how we can identify those possessions, work with them, um, and get ourselves into a more positively possessed state, maybe not a vishkara, but something just a little bit more beneficial.
2: Um, I think the the most important thing when it comes to being able to identify what's going on is to notice when uh, when you are not yourself. And of course, for this purpose, you need to be able to notice when you are yourself, um, and sometimes it's uh, it's very obvious that uh, here you were in one one condition, and suddenly, sudden something sets you off, and you become you fly into a Titanic rage. That's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious that at that moment you've been taken over by anger. Um, but sometimes it's not quite so obvious. Sometimes you're sitting around and. Um, you 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 could be simply sitting and your mind could simply be nice and quiet. But suddenly, what happens is you get the you get the desire to see what's going on on social media. So in that case, what's happened is it's not necessarily so much that the social media itself has taken you over, but it is the um, it it's the the craving on your part, the, the desire on your part. So it's a useful thing to take some time and examine what you're doing, not to do everything, um, on autopilot, but to pay attention to what you're doing, what you're thinking, how you're relating to your environment and to see, um, to see whether you are able to notice that something suddenly ta- as if takes you over and starts to starts to move you in a direction that you would not normally go.
1: So it has to do a lot with awareness, is that what you're saying?
2: Being able to identify what's going on inside you, what you're possessed by, has a lot to do with awareness because, of course, those things... Um, very commonly, when they take you over makes it very difficult for you to see anything other than uh, through the eyes of whatever it is has taken you over. So being able to identify when something is is not quite right when you're seeing things from a perspective that is not your normal perspective and particularly if it's not a desirable perspective then then you should pay close attention to to that.
1: Something that I love that Vimalananda says is that it's okay to make mistakes. So if we notice we have a negative possession, it's okay to make mistakes. He just says, don't make the same mistake twice.
2: Yes. And unfortunately, it's often the case that when you are possessed by something, the reason you are possessed by it is because you have you have performed certain actions Sufficiently often that it allows you to be um, to to get into a a pattern that allows this possession to occur. Mm-hmm. So that's why it is important, to, first of all, to be able to identify that something you're doing is a mistake. And once you've identified that it is a mistake, then to exert a, a good deal of willpower to not do the same thing again and inevitably, uh, since every human being has a blind spot, there are going to be certain things that you will continue doing more than once. You will continue making the same mistake. And that it's that area of your life that you have to make particular effort in, in order to interrupt that pattern.
1: So if I'm understanding you correctly, it's Natural that we're possessed. That's part of the human experience, and so we shouldn't try to be depossessed. We should try to be more positively possessed. Would you say that's true? I certainly
2: think it is a good ambition to be depossessed, uh, especially if you're following the path of the Nirguna Brahman and you're trying to um, trying to disconnect yourself from everything that is limiting your perspective perception of the reality that has no qualities uh, no characteristics but if you were following the path of the saguna brahman if you were worshiping a deity then it makes every reason it, it makes every sense to eliminate things that don't belong inside you and by doing that you're creating space into which the deity can come. If the the more of yourself you remove, the more space there is for the deity to be there. And a lot of these selves that you have in you are not really yours anyway. They come from other places, including, in particular, your ancestors.
1: Yes, you've said that we're all possessed by our ancestors. Can you talk a little about that?
2: Whether or not you believe in this um uh, astral subtle reality that um is very much a part of what in Ayurveda we call Bhutavidya. Sometimes that's translated Ayurvedic psychology, but it really it means um knowledge of things coming from the past. Um so even if you don't believe that there are things ethereal beings, the fact is that each one of us has the DNA and the epi and in many cases the epigenetics that we have inherited from our parents, and our parents, uh, during their lifetimes, identified with their genetic material and their bodies very strongly. And so um, we have even after our parents die, they're a part of the personalities of those parents are still within us. If you don't want to believe that it's an astral thing, it can be a psychological thing. We still to a great extent have our parents, sometimes our grandparents, and sometimes even if we have known uh great grandparents, maybe even them. but even if we didn't know our grandparents or great grandparents, they influenced our parents so part of the personalities of those earlier ancestors were present in the parents and their personalities have been, um, have influenced our personalities. So working ancestrally can either be regarded as something actually happening in the astral world or it can be regarded as something actually happening psychologically inside your own personality or as a combination of both.
1: So how do we work with that? How do we take in that information and use it in a positive way?
2: Well, the first thing to do is to, um, to be grateful that you are alive, that you have a physical human body, and to be thankful to your parents, even if they were terrible people. You have to still be, you can acknowledge that, that reality is still there. That does not negate the fact that you have to be thankful to them for the fact of creating you. Um it's something that uh, very few people are aware of, but I think it is is useful to for all of us to remember that um a, a a female human being, a woman, um has develops all of the eggs that she will ever have in her lifetime while she is in her own mother's womb. So your mother had the egg that created you while she was in her grandmother's womb, which means all of us, and this happens about month four, so all of us have spent five months in our maternal grandmother's womb. So this is not just astral, not just psychological. This is a very physiological thing too we are very influenced by our ancestors. So this is why uh, in India, the concept of ancestor worship is so uh, prevalent and so widely uh, performed and respected. Um, uh, Traditionally, um, the process that is performed after someone uh, dies is called shraddha, um and that word shraddha comes from the word shraddha which means faith so that suggests both that you 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 have faith that this process is actually doing something but also that um you're you're making a statement of the appreciation that the faith that you have in your ancestral lineage and the responsibility that you have to do what you can to improve that lineage, um, not only for your own self, but for anyone who may follow you in that lineage. Um, and uh, a simpler thing to do, shraddha is a complicated procedure, but anyone can do tarpana, which basically means to to appreciate those ancestors to offer them a few simple things, and again, whether it whether you believe in the astral world or you don't, uh, the simple act of doing that can have a very profound effect on you psychologically at a very deep subconscious and or unconscious level.
1: Something that Vimalananda also said that really touched me was that um, God doesn't like necessarily like sadhus and saints better, he likes sincerity. So this is the kind of sincere approach and doesn't require a lot of complication, right?
2: Um, Vimalananda was very emphatic when he said that what God is most interested in is sincerity. And um, it's not just Vimalananda. If you will look in um, the Bhagavad Gita in chapter 9, Krishna himself says, what I am interested in is someone honestly and sincerely making me an offering, even if it is a leaf, even if it is water. I'm much more satisfied by that than by the fanciest offerings of people who are doing it for reasons other than love for me. So uh, you don't have to know complicated things. You don't have to do you to be to be uh, highly uh, 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 precise in your activities uh when it comes to ancestor worship the most important thing is sh- uh, shraddha is faith faith that you can have a positive effect either on that ancestor or on that personality that's inside you so that it is no longer constricting you but it has been uh it has been opened up connected better to Uh, reality to whatever it is you have faith in and therefore uh, is going to assist you to move forward in a positive way.
1: So in addition to Tarpana, are there any other practices or things that you would suggest that can help people kind of untie the knots of their possessions and be more the master of those and depossess themselves?
2: I think that the... um, Any any kind of offering that you make, just as Krishna was saying, any offering that you make, and it may be that you don't make it directly to Krishna. Uh, Maybe you make it to another face of reality. Maybe you make it to another. uh, Maybe you. It's not an Indian god or goddess at all. Maybe it's not someone who has a personality of that type. Maybe. Um Maybe Mother Nature is who you worship what whatever it is your conception of the reality that you most want to align with, then you bow down politely to that reality and you request that reality to always be present with you to always um to to be present in. In your organism, in your heart, in your head, in your eyes, in your uh, in your physical reality, so that you can act as a uh, a vessel, an instrument for that positive energy that is that being that you are worshiping.
1: Can you talk just briefly about? the role that dinacharya plays in this
2: dinacharya means the your daily routine and an important reason for having a daily routine is to create positive habits for yourself all humans create habits for themselves some of them are good like the habits that are described in that Those include um, exercising every day, meditating every day, doing some sort of energy circulation, cultivation every day, being grateful every day, eating good food at roughly the same time every day. There are plenty of these good habits and habits are useful for the body because when we get the body into a particular habit, then it doesn't have to use as much energy and it doesn't have to continuously readjust itself so much in order to get that thing done. It's very efficient and it it also causes the body to move in the direction of being better integrated and more harmonious. Some habits are not so good, like the habit of checking your social media every 15 minutes. And those habits are habits we need to become aware of and to find a way to shift. Um, And there are many ways that can be employed to, maybe it's just training yourself to slowly extend the period at which you look at that social media. Maybe it's taking um, a day off every now and again so that you are not connected to the internet at all. Um, You will have to find out whatever that practice is that works best for you. Um, But it's important to identify those things that are habitual, especially if they're addictive. Find those addictions, find ways to first weaken the addiction and strengthen your own self and your own determination to move in a a particular direction. And then as time goes by, continue weakening the, the addiction until you are free of it. It may take quite some time, especially if the dependency that you have is very profound.
1: Is there anything else you want to tell us about possession?
2: Possibly the most useful thing to remember is <clears throat> that that very word in English, to possess. To possess means to hold something, as if you own it, as if you have bought and paid for it. Possession is nine points of the law. So when you're possessed it's as if that thing has taken you over, has become your proprietor. So if you want to be someone else's property, that's one thing. If that thing is the bottle of alcohol or that thing is your cell phone or whatever it may be, that's fine if that's what you want. If you don't want that, then you need to become very clear that that's what you don't want and you need to start moving in another direction. And it may take time and you may make some mistakes as you try to alter that situation. But eventually, if you are determined and you are implacable, you will be able to go beyond those limitations and find yourself in a space that is much more spacious than the one in which you were acting as the property of something else. Thank you. Thank you.